0: we begin with a simple meditation allowing your body to relax and enjoy the conversation which is to come sit comfortably and when you are able to close your eyes place your attention on your breath as you inhale and exhale through your nose With each inhale, drive your breath into your belly, allowing it to expand. And as you exhale, allow the breath to exit with a gentle sigh. One more deep breath in into your belly and a gentle exhale as you sigh. And again, a deep inhale into your belly, allowing for a full exhale as you sigh. As you bring your breath to a regular calm pace, inhaling and exhaling through your nose, allow for a wave of relaxation to wash over your body, finding any areas that may be holding tension. Begin scanning at the top of your head, noticing your brow, your jaw, releasing any tension. Scan your neck, your shoulders, lifting your shoulders up to your ears and allowing them to drop. And again, lifting the shoulders up to the ears and allowing them to drop. Feeling the weight of the world rolling off. As you continue to relax, allow your chest and your upper back to release as you become aware of the beating of your heart in your chest. You may gently place your fingertips on your sternum, feeling the beating of your heart. Chin to chest in gratitude. As you continue to relax let any tension go from your belly and you may place one hand on your heart and one on your belly connecting the vibration of these two centers through your hands release even further feeling the weight of your body on your seat as you place your hands on your lap allow for this wave of relaxation to wash over your legs puddling at your feet with any traces of tension disappearing into the ground continue to inhale and exhale through your nose allowing yourself to relax even further Breathe for another three rounds of breath. And when you're ready, you may open your eyes.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Live Journal podcast. I'm your host, Paola Atlason, holistic nutritionist and wellness coach. During the show, I will be in conversation with renowned wellness experts in service to their community. We'll be sharing personal stories, tips and tricks, and the self-care rituals which keep them grounded. Let's begin. Hello, friends. Welcome to Fun Friday Chat slash the Live Journal podcast, um, a space where I am in conversation with people having positive impact in their communities. And the reason for these conversations and sharing these incredible humans it's in hopes that they inspire you to take a look at your own life and see in which areas you need refinement, which areas need change, um, which areas could be more uplifting than they currently are. And today I'm speaking with Lydia Caron, which, or Caron, I'm gonna ask her how she pronounced her last name, who I've been dying to talk to for quite a while now and we're finally making it happen. And I see she's in here already. I don't have any announcements for you. We're gonna go straight into this conversation and I can't wait. lady. I think you have to ask me to join with a little camera. And then I'll let you into our conversation. Um, in the meantime, you all know that you can post your questions here on the comments. And we'll answer any, anything that you need to know. And Lydia is a registered dietitian. So she is very um, versed and educated in nutrition. So take advantage of this opportunity. Let's see. Let's And this is the moment we wait for the person to come in. <gasps> Hello. Hi, how are you? I'm good. I love red lips. I figured it's kind of a dark
2: day, so I figured I'd just go for it.
1: Oh, so nice. gonna... That
2: yeah, nice. was nice. Um, my, for some reason, and it's been working all day. My Wi-Fi just went out when I tried to join. Oh, um, so I'm on cellular. This will be.
1: It's to so work Of course, every time we finally were like, "We're gonna do it," one of us had something and then now the wi-fi is doing something but we're gonna we're gonna talk we're here it's gonna work
2: wait oopsies okay (laughs) yeah i'll get this going this is actually my first live um chat i've ever done but yeah i'm super excited we've never actually met in person um we mostly talk to each other over this platform which i think is cool because i feel like i don't know i've made so many
1: friends this way (sighs) Me when actually most of the people that i speak to i think because it's been Really, over the past few years, and we've been locked in for so long that I haven't met them in person. I meet them in person after, and then it's like I—I I find that the first thing that happens when I meet somebody finally in person is you look at each other up and down, like to see how tall you really are. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, you're shorter or taller than, but it's this like scanning of the whole body mm-hmm. because we only see, you know, this much.
2: Yeah, and you only ever see, like, what people choose to show, right?
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. I had but, a, No, I was going to say, people always see me, and they're like... The other day, someone was like, oh, you're so tall. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm used to it, but they're getting used to it. But,
1: yeah. And I feel like one of these days, finally, I'm going to bump into you at the, the reservoir, because we're always kind of walking around the, at the same time. But I had... I bumped into a former student three weeks ago on my corner and I had never met her in person and we worked together for three months. Right. And I had just dropped off my kids at the bus stop and I was like in my PJs with just like <laughs> it on. And I'm like, wow, this is really not what you normally <laughs> want to see. It's like, yeah. no, we were both like in our PJs, but Now that we're here, I want to dive in because you are such an intelligent woman. You're very educated in what you do. And I'm hoping that you can help us break down or demystify a bunch of noise and nonsense, which I think you do so beautifully in your platform. But first of all, who are you? How did you become a registered dietitian? What led you to, to doing what you do? Um, so my
2: name is Lydia, obviously. Um, I'm from New York City. I born and raised, grew up here on the West side where I am right now. Um, I don't live at home, (laughs) just to put that out there. Um, And I guess my interest in nutrition has always been there. Um, I can remember since I was in middle and lower school, just I was always really interested in the body and how the body worked. I remember having one of those children's books where it kind of showed the, all the anatomy and like where things went. And I just found that fascinating. Remember, this is one of my favorite books. Um, and I think it, I think I didn't automatically think dietitian or nutrition because I didn't know anyone growing up who did this as a profession. Like even in New York, like parents were lawyers, worked in finance or real estate, but you don't see anyone who does dietetics as a, as a profession. Um, so I originally Essentially, on this one, is that I got into modeling when I was 14, 15 um, in high school. And then I took some time off for going to college. And a consequence of being in modeling is you suddenly have to like pay attention to what you eat. Um, I never really cared that much before. Even though I was interested in it, I was more interested in having a good time and enjoying high school. And I, you know, ate well. My family cooked every night. And then when I was with my friends, I'd eat pizza and ice cream and whatever. And And I think that's like the best way to grow up, right? It's like very intuitive. You eat what you want and you're getting all the whole foods. Um, But then when I started modeling, I had this, I had to have this like hyper focus on nutrition. And so that's really where I learned a lot and also got a lot of bad advice. Um, And we can go into a little bit of that if you want to later on. But essentially, um, I went after I modeled a bit, I went to college, majored in art history because I was like, oh, I was already in the fashion world. I love art worked in fashion for like a summer and like like an actual fashion job not being a model um and was like this is not for me this doesn't speak to me I, like I didn't feel like I could have any growth. I really like learning and I just felt like I couldn't learn anything in that environment and it was all about like who you know and whatever and I just didn't care. Um so nutrition it just like well how this goes my mom will like this story basically my mom was like you seem very Unmotivated, you don't seem passionate about what you're doing. Like, what do you want to do? She was literally like, it was, she wasn't actually shaking me, but what she was saying felt like she was shaking me. And I was like, I want to be a dietitian. And, she, and her face just kind of went blank. And she was like, Wait, really? <laughs> like, it was just kind of out of nowhere. Um, but essentially, the next day, after just having graduated college, essentially the next day, I started looking into graduate programs to become a dietitian. Um, so it was basically like, I was out of college for three months and then flipped careers. It. I love
1: that and, and it's so you know I love that message because I see so many women including myself that we were told you can't change your mind like you already chose a path just stick to that just keep going um, but having the support of your family being able to like your mom trying to I think that's the best question she would she could have asked you is what what are you passionate about what what do you want to do when a lot of times it's encouragement is what is the logical thing to do you know right or what makes money or exactly so for you to change your mind I think that's great so can you tell us a little bit about what what does that entail because it's a heavy education it's a lot of science essentially yeah
2: yeah and it's funny because I wasn't really a science person and so in college the college that I went to which is Smith College in Northampton, um they didn't require didn't have like a core requirement except doing one writing intensive. So I took zero science classes in college. Um, So essentially what you have to do is get all of your, they call it post back. You basically go back to college for two years and take chemistry, biology, biochemistry, organic chemistry, statistics. Um, Basically it was two more years of college for me right after finishing college. Um, And I worked part-time and took classes part-time. So it was fine. And then the actual graduate program is two years which i did at columbia university just a little further up on the west side and then some you can stop at like a what you get as a master of science and nutrition you can stop there and do whatever you want with it but a lot of people end up going on to want their rd credential and so in order to get your rd credential similar to if you want to become a doctor you have to get a certain amount of hours of practice so that's called your dietetic internship and that's a, that's a year and so you do a year, you do clinical, food service, and community nutrition, internships, and then study really hard, take the exam, hopefully pass it. I can talk about this, but I didn't pass the exam my first time. Um, I haven't spoken about it at all because it kind of it's like traumatizing to me. Um, but yeah, and then you pass the exam and, and you're credentialed, and then you have to figure out what you want to do with your life.
1: <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's a exam twice. Sorry? you had to take the exam twice. Yeah. So the first time,
2: I think because it was such a buildup to this moment, like everything that I'd done up until then, all this school, everything. And it was almost like all eyes are on me. And I think I just got like, I'm not generally a very anxious or stressful, stressed person. I think I'm pretty good at managing that. But there's some things that your body just takes over. And it's this kind of reaction that you can it was the first time where i understood people who have extreme anxiety what they go through because i'd be up at night and it was just like spinning like oh my gosh like what's the answer to this what if i don't get it like what's gonna happen um so i just went into the exam in this heightened state and immediately when i felt like i didn't know a question my body just went into like shock and then i don't even remember taking the exam but i just rushed through it and was like i already failed i already failed like it's whatever Um, and then afterwards, when I found out that I didn't pass. I didn't pass by one point, but I didn't pass. And I was like shaking afterwards. And I called my dad and I was like, I don't know where I am. I don't know what to do. Like, I was just like, it was pretty intense. Um, but I think, and then I listened to a bunch of podcasts on failure to make me feel better and how important failure is. That's kind of what I do. I try and get as much information about anything just to kind of figure out um, how to work through something. And then basically went through my summer, didn't actually study more. I just kind of like lived my life a little bit. And and through that, just kind of realized my whole life wasn't about this exam and just came at it with a different approach the second time. Um,
1: And I did pass. So that's beautiful. And again, an example is like, you didn't pass the first time, but then you can keep trying and do it again and and not not give up because you didn't, but truly, you know, no, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna pass this, so I'm going to. And I love your your point of view of learning. I don't remember where I read this recently where one of, one of the best anti-aging, even though I hate that term, but one of the best, let's call it graceful aging tools, is learning. So if you continue to learn, and there's a tendency to stop learning fully I feel like after you graduate college, and some people stay there and they're like, I'm fine, I'm just gonna, you know, you grow in your career, but you're not like studying and learning. And I am a learning addict. I know that you and I both have a a deep fondness for Huberman, for Mm -hmm. (laughs) the hot scientist, we call him, (laughs) for our friends, but this for knowledge. And, you know, I can relate so much to you in regards to just as a child, I just like to know how things worked. Like, why am I feeling this way? Why does this taste this way? Why is somebody thinking that way? And I actually, I wanted, my dream was to be a psychologist, but mm-hmm. I chose art. And by the time I changed my mind, my mom actually said, no, you should stay with what you started. And interestingly enough, the way that I teach um, holistic nutrition is more about a um, uh, everything else, you know, the, we talk about the food, right? And we talk about the importance of food and how to balance your plate and all this stuff. But it's more from an educational perspective on on everything else, how your body works, why you feel how you feel. And, in a, and sometimes I'm like, I kind of, I'm not a psychologist by any means, but it's more on that side of things. So it, I kind of ended up doing something that I, how I wanted to do it because like you, there's so many of us, past fashion it's like fashion expats Mm -hmm. in one field or another that are wanting to teach people about the body and nutrition and how to care for yourself because it is a world that can really break you down yeah
2: and I think that's so important what you said about how you feel is everything right like it like and that's the disconnect I had when I was modeling is that I wasn't focused on how I was feeling I was focusing on what I looked like and so I completely ignored any kind of sign that something was wrong because I wasn't paying attention to the fact that I wasn't sleeping well or whatever it was all just like do I fit in the clothes do I look the way that they want me to look and there's such a disconnect there because it's then it's all external and you're not basing anything off of how you're feeling and so the transition that I have made is like okay just pay attention to how you feel and everything falls in place like if you really like my friend used to say to me in college she was like you're so funny you always talk about like how some how you think something's going to make you feel or like how your body feels and respond to this like she's like I've never thought about it in that way and I was like oh I thought everyone thought about it in this way you know um but yeah it's super important just to listen
1: yeah and, and so many of us are disconnected from that for so long and you know I work with so many women that don't connect that and that actually have a connection between looking the way they want to look and feeling really bad so it's like, OK, if I, it's, it's either um, I've looked the way I looked physically when I've gone through something really terrible and I couldn't eat and I lost a lot of weight or I was so stressed with work or studying that I lost a lot of weight. Or, you know, there's always a connection to not eating and not feeling great and actually being the size you want. And to break that, it's, it's it's not an easy task because it's almost like you become conditioned to that. And for me, I try to teach. That's how I, we're not talking about food in my house. We're eating really good food and candy and cake and all that, the things that come in. But what I always ask them is, mama, can I eat more candy? How's that going to make you feel? Uh, probably not that great, but I still really want one, one more piece. Like, all right, mm-hmm. it's your responsibility. You know, so it's yeah. not weight on the food, this is good or bad or better or green or clean, which is that word I can't even deal with either. But how is that gonna make you feel? Because if eating a Dunkin' Donut is gonna make you feel fantastic, which probably it won't, but emotionally maybe will uplift you in that moment, is better than to eat a salad and you're just so depressed and, and sad because you didn't want to eat a salad, you know, and you speak a lot of intuitive eating. So can you share a little bit about what that means?
2: yeah so intuitive eating is basically um it's kind of what society has told you not to do right they told you to listen to a diet book or follow a plan you know to the t or um to take someone else's advice for what works for them um so there's what's known as intuitive eating principles which um the book was written like the book by dietitians was written by um Dr. Uh, Evelyn Tribble and then someone else, but essentially they wrote these, I think it's like 12 principles of intuitive eating. And they include things like um, like f- movement, feel the difference is one of them. So like, instead of doing movement or doing exercise um, to look a certain way, like really tune into how you're feeling, doing that exercise, how you feel before, how you feel afterwards, because part of the um, theory behind that is when you start connecting the after feeling or or how you felt before compared to the after, you'll just intuitively want to do things that both feel good when you're doing them, but also that at the end of it, you're like, oh, wow, like I, I made the connection here. Like that feels good. And then with food, like it's a balance between both eating, basically essentially saying like you should allow yourself to eat what you want when you want it, but a little more, but also being tuned in. So I think a lot, like today people aren't, People are, even if they don't think they have a restrictive mindset, are restricting certain foods. They're like, I can't eat a lot of this food. And how intuitive eating goes is if you restrict something, the more you restrict something, the more you're going to want it. The more you're going to talk about it, the more you're going to think about it. Mm-hmm. And, and then it. And then even if you only allow it sometimes, you're still going to be like, oh, it's still restricted food. So the whole kind of science behind intuitive eating, and it is a science and there are studies that have um, validated and verified that it does work. Um, is that if you allow yourself to have the things that are, and every food is neutral, if you allow the foods to have them, you'll start to, they'll no longer be at limit and every food will just be the same. Everything will be neutral. And you'll also start to f- recognize how certain foods make your body feel compared to other foods. So people, there's a lot of misconceptions about intuitive eating. One of them is that like, if you allow people to eat whatever they want all the time, we're just gonna, and like, to be fair, like we're already in a very, you know, we have another pandemic or epidemic going on, and that is obesity and diabetes. And that is with all these diets, with all the information on what's good and what's not good. And it's because people are going on these diets and restricting so much that they end up, it ends up counteracting and then they end up gaining the weight back because they were restricted for so long. And so if you really allow people and people really allow themselves to have what they want when they want it, they'll start to, not overeat because they're restricting and they'll start to um tune into how whole foods make them feel compared to um you know like a bag of candy and it doesn't mean that and the whole point is that you can have it whenever you want and you'll start to make those connections that like oh i don't want to eat a bag of candy every night like that doesn't actually make me feel very good um so it's it's easier said than done i'll put it that way Um, but it's really just about i think the core of it is being Uh, attuned to your body, listening to your body, basically.
1: And I think that's the the key, is that awareness, because uh, to your point, the way that we've seen it is body positivity, body love, intuitive eating, all connected as I do whatever I want, whenever I want. But it is, my belief is that it, it is your responsibility that if something is not making you feel good, then you're not loving yourself, you're indirectly hurting yourself. Because if you're eating whatever you want, and you're not feeling well. And let's not even talk about size. Let's, let's take it out of that context. Mm-hmm. If you're not feeling well, if you're sticks in or if you're a little heavier or if you're taller or shorter or 65 versus 25, if you're doing it and it's not feeling well, then you're doing yourself at the service. And that, in my mind, is not positivity of, or love. So the missing key is that education, that awareness of saying, no, this is how you do it how did you feel before? How did you feel after? Start connecting the dots and then you can make the right choices, not whatever noise is coming at you. Because I also find there's a big difference between intuitive resistance to something, to doing something and intellectual resistance to doing something. And sometimes like, I I don't feel like eating healthy. I just want to do what I want or I don't feel like working out. And sometimes that comes from like, maybe not knowing how to do it. Maybe you feel like it's too much of an undertaking. Maybe you just don't know where to start. But when you feel that resistance, like I don't want to eat that, or I don't want to do that workout anymore. And it comes from a different place. That's the intuition. How, how do you identify intuition in your body? Like when you know you're resisting something mentally and when you're resisting something intuitively?
2: um for me i think it's like they've kind of become one in a sense i will say and i'm not even sure if this is quite connected but i was thinking about before this is that the more i learned like so disclaimer when i was modeling like i was very restrictive and i wouldn't allow myself to have certain foods and i basically did what probably a lot of people do is they google like lowest calorie everything was calories right like there was just a disconnect, like food wasn't food, food was calories. And in that way, so so essentially when I started learning more about nutrition, I, it made me loosen up naturally because when I learned that food is just food and everything kind of contains the same basic elements, to me that was very helpful. So I think a lot of people today assume that, you know, one of the first questions I get asked when I tell them people on the dietitian, they're like, Oh, what don't you eat? Um, are you vegan? Are you vegetarian? Um, guys are really funny because guys will be like, Oh, I'm keto. I'm, I count my macros and they want me to be like, impre- like approve or be impressed where the more I learn about nutrition, it's, it's like all foods are a goat because all foods are made out of carbs, proteins, fats. They all contain a variety of different minerals, even, even, you know, chips, carbs and maybe a little bit of protein, you know, like, so it's all these basic elements. And I think when you learn that, it really makes you just kind of loosen up. But going back to your intuitive question, I think for me, it's all just like, it's the basic things. It's like, how am I sleeping? How are my energy levels? How is my mood? Am I highly reactive? That's a big one. So when I'm really on edge and some of the thing, it can be like a monthly hormonal thing. And then I, I know, okay, that's what that is. Um, but it could also be if I've not been sleeping well, um, like when I was modeling, I wasn't sleeping well and I was, Oh, I was constantly on edge and I was snappy at people and I was judgmental and I was hard on myself. Um, so it's in my, like, how am I reacting people? How is my stress? How am I handling my stress? I think is really important to think about because like everyone has stress, but it all depends on how you're handling it and you can only handle it well if like your body is physically capable if you're giving it the things that, you know, sleep and good food and hydration and not drinking too much. Drinking is a big one for me that I really feel in my body a lot. Is I do drink. Um, and I definitely feel it. <laughs> um, but yeah, just kind of checking in with kind of those those things. And when something kind of goes off for a second... You you take an assessment being like, okay, have I been pushing myself too hard this week? Have I not sleeping? You just kind of do like an inventory list. Mm -hmm. And I will say that everyone has their own set of like data points to work off of. So they know what's their best and when they feel their best. And you have to know what works for you. And it's all about kind of building these touch points in yourself because no one can tell you this is what you need. And I think that's also where the intuitive comes in. Like no one can tell you like, what works for one people, everyone here's is, is not going to work for another person um, and give them the same results
1: a hundred percent. I love how you said that um, you have a, a, a list of i love how you called it data points because mm-hmm. I, I, I love that um, things that you take in with yourself like data points or a list that you can check in with yourself and um, one of the things that I teach my uh, students is five five pillars we have during the journey and nutrition am i eating am i drinking my water am i skipping meals am my plates pretty balanced have i been eating too much sugar you check in there number two i teach a lot of stress management techniques because i agree with you a hundred percent if you're not if you're not allowing your body to process the stress you can't quit your job you can't run away from COVID. you may not be able to leave your spouse or your kids right hopefully not but you can support your body in managing it. So are you breathing? Am I doing breath work? Am I doing meditation, journaling? What am I doing to support the body? We talk about the lymph a lot, the emphatic system. Am I, am I supporting my system? But, you know, with simple practices, not necessarily getting emphatic massages, but practices that you can do at home. Movement, am I moving my body? Am I moving too much? Am I moving not enough? Am I recovering in between? And sleep, which so many of us just don't pay attention until... And we go on for years, actually, with bad sleep. I mean, I'm a mom. I've had two of them, you know, back to back. And I didn't sleep for like eight years, which apparently is normal. (laughs) But once I did, Mm -hmm. you hold on to that dearly. And so many of us, even young women, are just not sleeping. Men, nobody's sleeping. And I don't sleep when I'm dead. You either make the choice or you kind of carry forward... Without without checking in with yourself, and I like to tell people, listen, if you don't know when to check in with yourself, I love what you're saying, Lydia. If you're feeling off, check in. But if even if you're feeling pretty good seasonally, when the season changes, how am I feeling? How am I doing? You know, it, a lot of people, it, you take the car to the shop every year and you take it in for maintenance in between, but then you're not doing anything until you break down. You know, that's when we. Yeah. And to look for help. So, what what is one of the biggest, you know, noisiest, silliest advice that people are giving out there regarding nutrition? Because there's so much, right? And there's so much. But what is one of like the the ones that are you're, like your jaw drops when you hear them?
2: Um, I mean, it's like it's really oh, there's so many. <laughs> I would say one of them is like the. No carbs or like, I guess the map, because this came up the other day with someone, the macro nutrient diet, um, like counting macros. Um, I know it's not, maybe it's not the most trendy. I don't even know what's trendy now Cause I, I both know what's going on and also try and like, it's all over the place, but with macros and I can just break down really simply. It's diff- macros makes no sense because there's no singular food. That's one macro. So when you're, like, counting macros or trying to, like, not have – for example, when people say, like, I do, I try not to have carbs, like, most foods are car- contain carbs. Um, so just, like, really basic stuff like that. Like, someone said they were on keto, and I was like, okay, what are you eating? And they're like, Why well, I have this, this, and they were eating, like, fruit and whatever. And I'm like, okay, well, that's not keto because keto is, like, eliminating most carbs. And, like, the healthiest foods are carbs. And I can't even go into how keto is affecting, like, GI issues because – the core of GI health is, is adequate fiber. Um, and so once you go keto, you're automatically, it's like fat all the time and, um, a little bit of protein, but then you have nothing that's moving your GI tract along and it's bad for pretty much everything. It's bad. Like high fat meals are are bad for, um, if you have GERD or indigestion, indigestion, they're bad if you have constipation, obviously. Um, they can also be bad if you have diarrhea, diarrhea, and you're having super high fat, um, so I think that any kind of one that eliminates, like, car- like carbs and high fiber and whole foods is one I'm, I'm not for. Um, if anyone
1: has specific questions about, I don't know if you've had anyone write in about specific. I have a list of questions. That's kind of what I'm going. I'm, I'm doing it in a very non-specific way because most people just want to know what people eat. And they're like, what do you eat? What's your mm-hmm. go-to lunch? How do I do this? So I'm trying to like recontextualize the questions in a way that you're educating because I can make you a list of all the lunches I have. You can tell everybody you post your food on Instagram, mm-hmm. but it's not in, in a way like eat what I'm eating is because for example, keto, keto doesn't mean don't eat pasta and bread and, 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 and sugar, um, but eat uh, whatever. There's so many confusing ways to see it. Right. But essentially people eat a lot of fat and try to cut out carbs. Now, because we've been so miseducated on fat, people sometimes think they're eating high fat, but they're not even eating fat enough fat, you know, like they're just putting Mm -hmm. some fat on their plate and they think they're cutting out carbs by not eating, uh, flour products but they're eating a lot of fruit or, you know, it's just so noisy and it's like macros don't matter. It's, it's about what is, what are you eating? Are you eating complete at whole foods, complete meals and not subscribing to being so narrow that you're just cutting out everything. And, you know, I do have people that for me, the biggest one is the, the no eating. Like now we call it intermittent fasting and Mm -hmm. then we have, issue with you know going back to what you were saying before the the diet industry is billions of dollars and 70 percent of adult americans are obese so it's not working but they're taking our money and it's all of this noise and misinformation and one of them right now is uh, in terms of fasting don't eat oh mad eat one meal a day and i have these women mm-hmm. gaining weight and feeling horrible and not eating all day and they're you know a mess because fancy people are saying that you know that's what you should do
2: and so when people ask me about that the first thing i say is like most of this almost all the studies that have been done on intermittent fasting have been done on men um because women make terrible test subjects because we have hormones and they fluctuate so we're not a good control so none of the studies for intermittent fasting have been done on women that's one so they can't tell you how it will negatively and it will impact your hormones they can't even tell us that because they haven't studied us um i love scientists but you know they you can only go so far in the scientific method and then the other thing i'll say is that people just throw themselves into this um kind of no carb lifestyle without thinking about how it will impact other things like you said um you know, energy and gaining weight. But another one is that if you're a big exerciser, and this is something I talked about recently, and you're you've drastically reduced your carbs, um, that can honestly cause heart failure. Because uh, what happens is basically when you have no carbs, and um, so insulin. I don't, I don't know how much people know about insulin, but insulin is basically the hormone that allows sugar um, to get into your cells um, from your bloodstream. And so when not having carbs you have less release of insulin and insulin and this other thing called aldosterone which is another hormone are very closely connected and aldosterone is what holds on to sodium and so if you don't have insulin you don't hold on to sodium and so you have this like drop in sodium levels and sodium and potassium potassium is really important for your heart muscle and for muscle contractions that gets all out of whack and goes down and so and that can lead to heart failure heart issues heart um like one person i was talking to who was running after going low carb, started getting heart palpitations and very lightheaded and dizzy. And so a lot of people just go into keto not knowing that they need to either what it's gonna do, but also that they need to bump up their sodium a lot. And a lot of people have already restricted their sodium so much because they're like, oh, I don't wanna have water weight too. But it's like, you can't just eliminate and take away and and think that everything's just gonna kind of figure itself out. There's a reason why we have, you know, salts in our food and why we and why there are carbs on the planet you know like there's a reason why people eat everything um they all have it all has its purpose um yeah yeah.
1: and essentially we're omnivores right we're supposed to eat a little bit of everything and carbs means a lot of plants a lot of root vegetables a lot of fruit some grain legumes but i think what we just go to extremes and then like some people only eat fruit all day right mm-hmm. and they're eating fruit all day long and yeah. then i know i know your feelings we have we're very we have very mutual f- feelings around food combining and alkaline diets. it's like can we talk about that one a little bit because you also shouldn't be just eating fruit all day long
2: yeah well the fruit one is really interesting and it's almost like i want to interview i see people on instagram only eating fruit and i almost want to talk to them like very extremely because if you i know a lot about gi health and so for like if there's something called fructose intolerance, and most people have a limited capacity to absorb fructose actually. And so, whatever doesn't get absorbed um, in your small intestine, so your small intestine is where you absorb most of the nutrients from your food. And whatever doesn't get absorbed in your small intestine goes into your large intestine, also known as your colon. And then that's where bacteria, everyone's heard about the microbiome, that's where it is. Uh, and that's where your microbiome can actually break down whatever didn't get broken down in your small intestine. As a byproduct, they release gases, mainly methane and hydrogen, but these are the gases that literally create gas in your large intestines, create bloating, can create pain. Um, It can sit there for a really long time, so it can be very uncomfortable. Essentially, and what I've learned, which is why I'm very curious about people who eat fruit all day, is that if we have such a limited, all humans have a limited capacity to absorb a lot of fructose, um, it's closely entwined with how much, like, they're I mean, I won't get into the science, but essentially like, if you're eating that much fruit, you're gonna overwhelm your small intestines receptor, your capacity to break down that, um, all those sugars. And I'm just curious if it's causing like a lot of gastrointestinal issues for for people, if that's all they're eating all day. Um, So I don't really, I I haven't personally worked with anyone who only eats fruit, but um, yeah, I know you also had a question about food combining.
1: Well, uh, regarding the fruit, they there's actually people that eat that way, they call it the bloat. And it's a oh. very nice thing. And they're like, oh, the bloat. When you get the bloat and then they think that it's because your body's releasing toxins, too many toxins backing you up. And it's like, no, you're just eating too much fruit sugar, which is fructose. There's different yeah. types of And that's one of them. And, you know, but it's like, it's clean and healthy. And I feel so great. It's like, no, you're on a sugar high also. Yeah yeah
2: no but it's true because it's it because it's not broken down in the small intestine it means it goes straight through your system pretty quickly into your colon where you produce that gas and it's like yeah it's quick energy right because it's broken down fairly quickly although there is a little bit of fiber but that also goes to your colon um but it's sugar that's like straight straight into your bloodstream and then you're uh, you're gonna feel great um and especially if you eat it all day i don't this is why I'm really curious to talk to someone who does this. Cause I'd be curious about like how you sleep at night. Like how is your energy during workouts? Like how often do you have to eat? Um, and then yeah, like bloating and bowel movements. I'd be just super curious.
1: Yeah. So any volunteers can reach out to you if anybody <laughs> because it's a, I've, I've, I've met with a few and the, you know, they're also not eating enough protein and protein aids, digestion and aids metabolic function. So it further, impedes the digestion of all this stuff that you're eating. And they do tend to eat all day long because it's, then you get into the the whole insulin loop, right? Of, Mm -hmm. of sugar imbalance and craving and more. And it's, it's a mess. It's, it's a mess and it's another one. And usually it is connected to food combining because it's talk to us about food combining. (laughs) Um, so I'm familiar with the principles that,
2: um, I'm pretty sure it's like fruit on an empty stomach, don't mix um like grains and proteins or something like that. Um, I'm not I don't because I think you uh you can you counsel people on food
1: combining principles. Um No, I don't I don't teach food combining. I actually am not into it. Oh, okay, so yeah, think, yeah. So I know. That's why that I agree with you that it's nonsensical. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's one of these yeah. things where it's the human body is more intelligent than that. To, to- yeah, I mean, there's different, there's different enzymes
2: for different foods. And that's, and so essentially, like, if we wanted to go very basic back to digestion, you eat something that contains fat, protein, and carbs, it's in your mouth. Carb digestion has enzymes that start in your mouth. That's where carbs start. Protein digestion starts in your stomach, and um, so does fat a little bit. But then the main digestion digestion happens in your small intestine, and your body has different enzymes for each type of macronutrient. So there's like lipos, lipases for there's like you know we know lactase and is for um, milk sugars, and there's lipase for fats, and so your body is capable of breaking down everything at once because essentially it goes into your stomach, acid is released, it triggers other enzymes to be activated to digest all these foods at once. Like your body's very capable of doing that. Um, So I don't understand the fruit first, not mixing grains and grains. Mixing grains and protein are great because protein can actually decrease the um, insulin spike that some simpler carbs can have so if you eat it with a protein or with a fat, then that can actually decrease your insulin release and keep your blood sugar levels levels more stable. So um, I don't know all the principles that people follow. Um, I like to talk about, and I post about this, my, um, my food combining principles, which are like, you know, have iron-rich foods with vitamin C or eat foods that contain fat-soluble vitamins with a fat source so that your body can actually absorb those vitamins. So like, that to me is real food combining because it's optimizing your body's ability to digest certain vitamins. And I think that should be talked about more, but it's not. Um, so yeah, so food combining doesn't have any science to back it up.
1: As no. it yeah. And I don't teach that. I actually teach people to eat a whole plate of food, but you know, the, the essential principle is that the body is very intelligent and can break it down. It's not, when you eat an apple, you don't get a chunk of apple. It's like mm-hmm. by the time you swallow it it's called a bolus, right? And it's a mush and it's a bunch of stuff and then when it gets in there the computer now knows how to break it down. But I think people believe that it's almost like you have a line of digestion. So if you eat an apple first and then a piece of meat before or after, it's like a traffic jam and it doesn't work like that. It's the body's much more intelligent and I love how you speak in micronutrients which is The way that we that that the body reads food is in these vitamins minerals phytonutrients essential you know fatty acids but i i mean wouldn't that be great that they would talk to us about that in school like this is is, this is what you're putting into your body and this is how the body breaks it down
2: yeah so that's something that i really wish that we did learn in school because i never understood what vitamins and minerals did people are just like you need them because it's good for this and i'm when I took biochemistry in um, in my graduate program and we learned that, okay, everyone knows you have these enzymatic reactions, like this equals this and there's like an arrow in between. So when you learn about vitamins, you learn that like B vitamins are what are known as, co- they act as coenzymes. So they're enzyme helpers to make a process go through. So even the process of making glucose, which is sugar from, which is the most carbs, into energy, it needs the vitamins and minerals to do that breakdown. So you're not going to produce energy effectively unless you have these vitamins and minerals. You know, they're not just like, okay, they're like, okay, it's good for my heart. Cool. But like, why? You know, like how? And it's like, there's this huge empty space in between eating this food and it's good for my heart, right? There's all this other stuff that happens. And I think when you know, like, to even have these metabolic processes happen you need vitamins and minerals so you can eat like you know a very and it's and it's why we have this um epidemic of both um, malnutrition and obesity like you can you know eat enough calories and still be and still be micro micro micronutrient deficient um and that can have all sorts of other consequences in terms of disease development and etc yeah
1: Absolutely, and you can also be on a, a on on a lighter side of the scale and have a lot of uh, fat in your body and not have enough muscle exactly. not, the right way, so we have to step away from the outward appearance or how the container looks and really focus on how the container feels and what are the things that are going in there and going back to the conversation, um something you brought up earlier regarding anxiety and how you were feeling. You were never an anxious person, but then you felt this anxiety around your exam. There's so much information now coming up, becoming available regarding how a lot of mental health issues are actually stress responses of the body. So it's not necessarily that there's something going on in your brain chemistry, but your environment is producing a response, of a defense response. So anxiety is almost like a flight response like you just answer. you just want to get out of there like you you finish the test you blanked out and you're like I don't even know where I am and mm-hmm. like in between depression and, and almost like freeze like you just completely disconnect and you're protective and you just can't communicate in a protective uh, way and I think that's something if we start connecting the dots again how do I feel what is going on in my environment and am I supporting my body not only through food but movement and also, the information that comes into you, especially the last few days, you know, we can't turn a blind eye of, to what's happening in the world, but we also don't need to overconsume that. And we don't need to be with our head in it at all times. If you know that you're feeling anxious and feeling depressed already, you have to become very selective as to how you participate in things and how you take information in, right?
2: Yeah. And I think that goes for everything. It goes for like your job and your relationships and whatever. It's like, you can't have your emotions fluctuating with the external exogenous things around you. Right. You have to kind of have your own base level, of, like no matter what happens, I have practices that I can return to things that I know that will kind of keep you, you know, feeling good no matter what and, and kind of mentally, I say good body, but also mentally kind of things to fall back on. Like you always have the power to change your mind. Um, You always have the power to, uh, regardless of what's going on, like the worst disaster. I mean, I'm right now I'm listening to um, uh, Waking Up by Sam Harris. And he talks about once you learn meditation or any kind of practice that puts you in a meditative state, and you realize that in five minutes, you have the capacity to switch your mental state into a more positive one a calmer one whatever that is a tool that you can take throughout your life and continue to use and it doesn't mean that things won't try and come in there but you always have this ability to be separate from what's what's happening around you and I think and I had a conversation with someone last night about this um so many people are are being negatively affected mentally by their jobs and how their job life can weigh on their mind because all their worth is in their work and that's kind of how our society has been set up like so much of your self-worth is what do you do how much money you make how successful you are and when you once you tie yourself to this external thing that you have no control over because it's controlled by all different elements what well, you have a little bit of control but a lot of it is like the economy or other people or your perceptions of how other people are viewing you. And then in that way, like you're never gonna feel calm and stable because it's always gonna be something outside of yourself that you don't have complete control over. Um, so yeah, so I think the mental aspect is really interesting. It made me think of before when you were talking to that um, you were talking about the kind of mind, the brain, brain connection, there's a big, uh, with stress, there's a big gut uh, stress connection. Um, there's something actually called the the gut-brain access, where stress can actually bring on a lot of gastrointestinal issues. And so someone's just like, oh, I've been eating well, and I've been doing this and doing that, and then they're really bloated all the time, or they're having different bowel movements, and it could be purely from something stressful or this like heightened level of stress they've been living in, and they don't even realize it. And then it becomes super confusing for them because they're like, I'm doing everything right. And that creates more stress, right? They're like, I don't know what it is, but I'm doing everything right. And yet I'm still having these GI issues. And then it's kind of, and then it just keeps building
1: and building. Yeah, I think that's a really good point because we only prioritize food and exercise.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. So we're either over-exercising to compensate for the bad diet Or we're trying a lot of tricks and quick fixes when we're not exercising enough, but we're not changing the way we're eating, but also looking at all the other ways in how we're supporting our body. And I know that you are very mindful of how you move and movement is an essential part of your day to day. So what are the things that you do to care for yourself? And what is your point of view regarding movement? Because it's another big one, right?
2: Yeah. So again, like big learning process for me. Actually, when I was modeling, I wasn't exercising that much. I basically walked to jobs and stuff like that. Um, And then I started getting into yoga a little bit later. Um, So that was me not realizing the benefits of movement, especially at that time, which was movement can be a great stress reliever and a great way to check back in with your body, like really connect with your body. it can also go the opposite way which is it can make you very disconnected from your body because you're just trying to burn calories you're just trying to you know get to a certain physique and you're not even checking into how you feel so I've gone through all the phases um and I've tried everything like in college I would run like seven miles every morning and then I would fall asleep in the afternoon because my body was just exhausted um and you know heightened to, like too much cortisol and then not enough carbs or not enough sleep the night before and other stress factors coming in and so at this point in my life I feel like I really I'm someone who like I have to move every day like even if it's just a walk outside it's time for myself time to clear my mind um uh it it helps me it actually does help me sleep at night if I if I feel like I've moved my it's hard for me to sit all day um but I've really kind of had a much more I've developed a much more intuitive relationship with it so now like if I I I'm I'm no, no longer just doing HIIT workouts for example like I used to do like a really high intensity class like three times a week and now I'm doing um yoga or I'll go for walks or I'll go for light jogs um I won't choose a class that I know will kill me I'll choose one that's like more relaxed but I still get some movement in and so it's really just like and I and and then I check in right and at the end of the week or at the end of the day I'm like oh I feel so so exhausted I was you know felt really agitated all day or like my hunger was was out of control all day um and so I in that way I've kind of built up a, a plan for myself but it's never a plan like I can do something different every day if I want to but for me it's really just Again, it's just knowing what makes my body feel good. And I, I've just figured that out. And it's going to be different for everyone. Some people are just going to want to work out three three times a week, and that's enough for them, and that makes them feel good. Um, and no one can tell you what is going to be good for you. Some people might look at what I do and be like, oh, that's way too much. I can never do that. But for me, like, I also am pretty fit at this point. So like for me, it feels very natural to do something every day. Um, but, you,
1: yeah, you just have to kind of listen to – listen to what your body is telling you. And I think that's kind of the takeaway message I'm getting from this conversation, which is so beautiful. It's how do you feel? And it's very um, easy to ask yourself that when you're like, obviously just feeling really bad, right? Like, you know, you're not eating well, you know, you're not moving enough. Like we know when we're doing those things and, and, and it matches with how you're feeling, but you should also ask yourself, what am i doing and and how do i feel even when you think you're doing everything right because a lot of us you know a lot of, a lot of people come to me and they say i'm doing everything right you know i'm exercising i have a trainer and i'm eating and i'm not eating these foods of course it's always about what i'm not eating right i'm not eating this and i'm not that <laughs> But I don't feel well, and I'm really tired, and I'm and I'm I feel foggy, and I am moody, and all the things. And I said, like, well, let's dive in. Let's really like look under the hood, you know, and, and see what it, it is that you're doing. If it, especially a lot of times when people are slim and not feeling well, they don't they don't connect it because you they maybe look how you know. I work with a lot of women that are in their weight range. So they don 't come to me because they 're overweight. they come to me because they feel they're doing everything right and they look how they want to look, but they feel horrible so it 's mm-hmm. not just about the look and, and I love that you you always emphasize that. so what would you say to somebody before we go when they ask you so what did, what do you eat in a day Yeah, how would you encourage them to go about that in a different way so yeah so i get I get asked
2: that a lot on um on my social media and my answer is always, uh, I won't share that because I've been in the position where I wanted to know where other people were eating 10 years ago when I was modeling. Cause I thought if I copied exactly what they did, then I would look like them, um, and have their life and you know, everything would be perfect. Um, and I think that it can be a slippery slope into eating disorders and, and becoming un- untuned if that's a word like it's the opposite of intuitive eating right you're not listening to what you want you're following what someone else wants so if someone were to ask me what i eat i would probably give like a general general you know i probably would i would probably tell them like okay plant-based foods or you know make you feel this blah blah, blah. but for me if i was going to counsel someone i would want to get to know what they were eating already what kind of foods they liked um you know what do they already eat And do they actually enjoy these foods? How do they feel after they eat them? Are these truly satisfying to them? Like some people could just be eating things that they don't actually like to eat. So like first and foremost, like you should like, it can be whatever, but you should like the taste of the food that you're eating. There's no need to have something that doesn't taste good to you. Um, And then from there, it's really just about making, you have to make it work within their lifestyle. So I really like to start, you know, with one area of what they're already eating and make a small adjustment. It could be like, oh, I'm eating, you know, plain oatmeal and I hate it. And or like, okay, so what are other breakfasts in the past that you've liked? And so what they might say like pancakes, and then you're like, okay, so like, let's talk about the recipe for pancakes and how we can make this something that will keep you satisfied throughout the day, maybe made out of more whole ingredients with like a higher fat profile. And so it's not really about copying someone's diet verbatim it's really about basing everything because there's a reason you're eating the certain way that you're eating right now already so it's really building off of your core and making it better and making it and then adjusting it according to whatever negative symptoms that you don't want to be having like if you're super tired you might and skipping breakfast you know that's an obvious one right Um, Or if you're not sleeping well, but you're eating a really low carb dinner, because someone recently was like, you shouldn't eat carbs at dinner, which is just like crazy. Carbs can actually help you sleep at night. Um, So yeah, it's really, it's so individual, right? And that's why we do what we do, because we work with people one on one. And it's all about getting that, getting really, like you said, deep into someone, um, deep into someone's history, into what they're eating, their relationships, their stress levels, everything. Um, you can't just tell someone what to eat or they can't just follow what you're eating and have and
1: have everything work out which is what so many people are are doing right first of all please don't follow advice from somebody that's an influencer that looks amazing to you on social media and has no background on anything they're just like this is what i eat and you should eat it so yeah just cut that whole group out but I love this approach of you have to know the individual. Like you can give general advice in general on these platforms, but you know, somebody the other day I posted a meal and they're like, you eat pasta. Mm. Like, yes. You don't see everything that I eat in a day. And a lot of, when I'm working with people, they ask me, can you, can you show me photos of what you eat? And I said, no, I will be doing you at the service because I'm not you. Like yeah. we're not the and I have my own specific so we have four minutes to go and some people just sent in some new questions so mm-hmm. do we have time to answer them let's see so one of them is how do you snack between meals without feeling lethargic and always digesting what's your point of view on that
2: so the question is how to not how to snack without losing energy from eating yeah I guess,
1: yeah um I guess so, I feel lethargic
2: yeah so here's really where you want to focus on um I think fat and protein make great snacks um and then if you pair that with a carb that'll give you that quick energy but it's when people are like just having chips or um I like to personally and if you're I like to do like whole food snacks because, like almost like mini meal snacks um, so like you can do some, like if you're home, you can do like scrambled eggs or get like a hard boiled egg. And so that's, you know, such a complete food in and of itself. And the protein will keep you satisfied for a long time, as will the fat. Um, if you add a little carbon there, it won't spike your blood sugar level. So you're tired right afterwards because you already had that prat- that fat and protein. Um, I think people get into trouble when they're like, maybe just having a piece of fruit. Cause that can, you know, give you that quick sugar energy, um even though it has fiber it's better to even just have like and i know this is gonna sound crazy but have like a little cheese with it you know that will actually do you better for energy levels um and then what was the other part about digestion or
1: i think there were there were you know um let me post it here my i i went i wanted to add to that because it seems Mm -hmm. that the person is eating all day long and that's we make, right? If you're eating a solid breakfast and a solid lunch and a solid dinner, maybe you'll need a snack in there during the day depending yeah. on your level of activity but we have a snacking issue like we're just eating all day long rather than getting like a good set of, you know, a good plate of food and then I'm guessing that he's digesting all day and that's making him feel lethargic. So yeah. condense meals if you are hungry indeed, have a robust snack like you're saying, protein, fat little bit of a car, but this whole eating all day thing is a whole, a whole other issue, yeah. right?
2: No, absolutely. And it takes about like two hours, I think for 60% of your food to be fully digested. And then for about four hours, um, for 90 to a hundred to be digested. So if your body's like midway, say it's like in your small intestines, breaking down, um, nutrients, if you put more food in it, it's like, Oh damn, I have to like go back and start this whole process again when I'm just trying to work on what you just gave me. So that's, really important, and if you're eating things that aren't just quick carbs, and that's really where the intuitive eating, like are you actually hungry, or are you snacking because you're bored, you're at work and it's a snack time, or you're stressed out, um, there's many reasons why you could, but it, I think if people are just snacking just to fill space and time and put something in their mouths, that's where you can start to feel really tired from it, because your body just doesn't need it, It needs to get rid of it, it doesn't know what to do with it, um, so yeah, so I think I didn't even think about it in that way, but yeah, some people definitely eat
1: all day long, um, and that can that can make That's you tired. <laughs> oh, so Lydia, if anybody wanted to, yeah, are you consulting now? Um, so right now I'm actually I will be in like about three months,
2: um, which I know is like a very time out there. I've been building a new I have a newsletter that I send out um, every. Sunday morning and basically once you're on that email list when I finally do start consulting uh I will send out an email blast and so you'll have all that information right now I'm working at a long-term care facility and also for a tech startup so I'm a little bit busy um but eventually yes my I'm gonna get to a point where I'm gonna be counseling people mostly on um GI conditions but yeah I'll let you know amazing,
1: and amazing. how can people get on your on your mailing list um so I Every Sunday or over the weekend, on my Instagram,
2: I basically post a story asking you to add in your email if you want to receive the newsletter. I send it out once a week. I don't blast any other emails. It's literally one email a week. And
1: through that email, I'll send out any updates and information about future counseling. And your newsletters are very informative. I love that you link podcasts and book recommendations. So if you are a curious person and want to understand how food works and how movement works in your body, I highly recommend it. I love it every Sunday. And I like that you post the, the pretty also PDF. So I know education is key. And thank you so much. We finally hit it. And I can't wait to go for a walk with you. I think I know we should do that. and and we can keep the conversation going so thank you so much for honoring us with your time and guys you can keep sending questions in if it's something that lydia can answer i'll forward them to you lydia in our question box um and she'll get him answered or i'll get him answered we'll answer your questions um in any way so have a great weekend thank you so much
2: thank you it was so nice to do this
1: (laughs) bye (laughs) Thank you for listening. For nutrition, coaching, wellness offerings, and upcoming events, please visit my website, paolaatlason.live. And for daily musings and simple advice,
0: you can find me on Instagram at paolaatlasonwellness. Sending love.